Hmm. Yeah. If, if only you knew things about the draft six months from now. It, it would make is a huge bit of difference. Oh, yeah, 100%. This is As we move into the second round here, this is one of those ones where we see first-round talent come through. Now we look at the second round, as we're going to talk about here, and it's, all right, where are my hunches? Who are the guys that I think are going to do good? And who ended up in a very pristine landing spot that could thrive off of it? But welcome to round two podcast, Mr. Weir. It is great to be here. I mean, glad to be back. And, you know, this is probably going to be the last pod until... I don't know, maybe July or August. So we got to make it count. Um, we're going to obviously recap the second round of the rookie draft. We are going to talk about one trade and then we'll kind of just give our maybe general thoughts. Some teams, maybe we liked how the first two rounds went some maybe teams we don't like and, you know, anything else in between. Sound good with you, Dan? All right, let's do it. Let's get started. All right. So let's start with the trade. This one did not have any impact in the draft, uh, but it was done shortly after. And it involved Stefan and Nick Ruth. Both guys actually have already done a trade recently, so they've been quite busy themselves. Um, it looks like Nick acquired Tyree Kill, a 22 second round draft pick, a 23 second round draft pick, a 22 third round draft pick in exchange for Joe Mixon, Keenan Allen, Zach Ertz, and a 22 fourth round draft pick. Dan, what are your early thoughts on this one? A lot of big names there. I always mm-hmm. like it when we get big names in the trade here. Um, so I, I guess this is where I look at this. And okay. So Tyree Kill is, was last year the number two PPR wide receiver in all of fantasy. Pretty, pretty wildly yeah. impressive with it. Mm-hmm. When we look at Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen was number 14. And that was with his initial year into Justin Herbert. Obviously, we had a couple of Terod Taylor starts mm-hmm. in there. Um, when, when I guess when I look at this, I say, all right, so let's look at position for position Hill versus Allen. Is there a massive discrepancy between the two players? Tyreek Hill is a freak. Keenan Allen is super consistent with what you know you're going to get out of him, And I really, really am looking forward to see what happens between him and Justin Herbert this year. I still like Tyreek Hill a little bit more, For sure. but with, but with that being said, Joe Mixon's going to be in a really good situation with that offense. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Zach Ertz. With this, so is Joe Mixon worth this two seconds and a third coming up here? That's that's I think where the big intrigue into this trade comes in. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, I mean, Tyreek obviously is a top three, maybe top five dynasty wide receiver. I think Keenan Allen probably isn't top 12, but like right like after that, um, you know, so a real high end, like if he's your number two wide receiver, I think you're feeling really, really good about your team. If he's your number one, you probably don't love it. Um, but I think for Stefan, you know, when I look at this deal, getting Joe Mixon, uh, mega upside, you know, has all the talent in the world. This is an ascending offense in Cincinnati. Last year was kind of just a loss because, unfortunately, there was a lot of injuries that he dealt with. The team wasn't great. You know, Joe Burrow got injured. Uh, but this year, there's going to be a lot of optimism, and he is set up to produce very well, uh, potentially. Um, this is a deal that if you're Stefan, if you wanted to move an elite player like a Tyree Kill, I like the move, actually. I think you get two yep. very, very solid to maybe even good like players in mm-hmm. Joe Mixon and Keenan Allen. Um, so I think I love this move for Stefan so much more than the Elvin Kamara move. I think he gets two more proven guys 
than he did in the other deal. And if you're going to move a proven talent like Tyreek Hill, I think this one makes sense. I'm with you on Zach Ertz. I don't think he's anything to write home about at this point, to be honest. I think, you know, unfortunately, father time caught up with him really quickly. You know, we'll see what happens with him, but I'm not optimistic. Um, For Nick, I think this is a deal that I actually don't mind either. Um, Consolidating talent to get an elite piece. Um, You know, statistically, you get the best player in a trade, you're oftentimes going to be the most happiest. And Nick got the best player in this deal. So from where I sit, I think this is a really close to a win-win trade. I yeah, I think this is a good win now move for Stefan. And we say this after understanding that he got rid of Alvin Kamara, which was a I mean, Alvin Kamara is a superstar. Mm-hmm. I think I think the the interest becomes is what is Alvin Kamara now in this offense now that Drew Brees is gone? Does he take a hit with either Jameis Winston or the jackass that that fucks everything up in the entire world? Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah, I, I just refuse to say his name. With say it, that's no back. That's back to back podcast where, oh, <laughs> Notre Dame thing. Don't get me homered. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I mean, obviously, Camaro's a better piece than Mixon is. The question becomes: Is what part of the offense is is it an upgrade or a downgrade with? Because um, you move, you go. So, so let me ask you this here: mm-hmm. Kamara or Mixon? Which guy would you rather have on your team? Kamara. No question. Okay. okay. So Tyree Kill or Keenan Allen? Again, Tyree Kill. No question. So, so I guess when you look at it, it's like, okay, Stefan moved two big pieces to get two other pieces mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily agree with. But yet we're saying that this actually might make him a better team. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the Kamara trade just has a lot of unknown. Najee Harris, you know, is arguably the top running back in a little bit of a weaker running back class and Carson Wentz. I mean, anyone that's listened to this podcast knows I'm not just the biggest believer on him. So he's rolling the dice on some players that are either unproven or have shown very shaky consistently, the le- consistency the last few years, mm-hmm. this trade, I think he just gets two proven guys that when healthy in Joe Mixon's case and Keenan Allen is just perpetually underrated. I think he did much better in this deal with, uh, you know, to move a talent like Tyreek Hill, I think this was a solid, uh, maybe even good return. If you, yeah. if the goal was to get players and get more depth, I think this was a good return. And I think that's what Stefan's looking at. I think this is very much a, you know, Stefan sees where he's at from a quarterback situation, from a couple other pieces. This to me is the the move that Stefan says, "Hey, this is my win now piece. This is where I'm going to solidify myself in this in this division." That says, "I'm the king of the castle. You have to go through me in order to win this division and take a shot for the crown." And I I, I firmly believe that's what this is. So we talked a lot about. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, clearly yep. Stefan still wants to win. Yep. I think his goal was to just retool and yep. wanting to get a little bit more depth. And, you know, we'll see how that works out. First trade, I'm not so sure about. This up, this most recent trade, I think, makes a lot of sense for that vision. Sure. We talked a lot about Stefan, though. Let's talk about Nick. You know, he, as we saw him kind of pivot last year to maybe a rebuilding yep. effort. Uh, but this, you know, he got Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill is a very, very good player. Um, what direction, you know, does Nick kind of go from here? I still think this is a small rebuild for Nick with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously you acquire three draft picks. So that gives you draft capital. It gives you the ability to potentially move that capital for players. If you find yourself into a possible contending piece, should Sam's teams not appear what we think it's going to be this year. Sure. 
But I, I like this move for Nick. I, again, you get a top-tier, top-two wide receiver in the entire NFL. It's a, it's a guy you can build around here. And obviously with Pat Mahomes and that the Chiefs offense under Andy Reid, it's, it's a very encouraging piece to have. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I think this makes, you know, at the end of the day, Nick's top two wide receivers are going to be yep. Hill and Diggs. It's, it's a great outstanding. Um, you know, wide receivers, if you are going to rebuild, you know, that's a great piece to have. Them and quarterbacks, they just got a little bit longer staying power than, you know, running backs in particular. So I totally get it. I think for Nick, like I said, I, I really did think this was just a great trade for both yep. teams because Nick gets the best player and you really have to be happy when you're the best player in the trade. For Stefan, I think he accomplished his goal. So I think both teams should be pretty happy. We'll see, uh, you know, who looks like a fool come September when someone busts or tears their ACL. But for now, both teams should be feeling pretty good, I think. Oh, we both know that the fool come September is going to be you and me for having this fucking conversation on the podcast. But it's, I mean, Ruth gets, num- in addition to have wide receiver number three, PPR, he gets wide receiver number two. That's a bang, bang punch right there. And if those guys can produce what they did last year into upcoming years, mm-hmm. dirty. It's very, very strong on paper. That's for damn sure. All right. Anything else in this deal before we move on to uh, talking about the the second round of the rookie draft? No, let's go to round two. All right. Let's talk about round two. And we're going to start with Kevin on the board at 2.1. And Kevin took home Rashad Bateman, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Dan, what were your thoughts on this? I love Rashad Bateman coming out of college. Mm-hmm. I hate Rashad Bateman on the Baltimore Ravens. And <laughs> it's it's the same piece where we had Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown was great coming out of Oklahoma. Like there was all the hype in the world around Hollywood Brown. And then he went to fucking the Ravens and it was like, yep. ah shit, his career is now done. And I mean, obviously, so 2019. 14 games played, 146 fantasy points, 46 receptions, 584 yards, seven touchdowns. If you get that uh, and, you know, going into the next year, he had, you know, almost 200 yards more. He had one additional touchdown with it, uh, played two more games, had uh, almost 30 full fa- or just over 30 full fantasy points more into his second year here. I just I'm not sure if I believe Lamar Jackson can take care of some of these things. And I, I guess that's my big concern with where Rashad Bateman is compared to a couple of the other wide receivers that were on the board that potentially have better landing spots. Yeah, I honestly, I'm fully in agreement with that assessment. I think Rashad Bateman was a very, very intriguing prospect coming into the draft or coming out of the draft and, you know, into the draft. Um, but the landing spot is got awful. I mean, just. You know, you have to look at Baltimore. Last year, they were last in pass attempts in the NFL. And that, like, just, like, close to being last. They were 34 pass attempts behind the New England Patriots. And even the New England Patriots were 45 pass attempts behind the third-to-last team. So, like, they are just so far back in the passing game that you have to be concerned with, is there enough, you know, for lack of a better term, balls to go around to support Rashad Bateman? And, you know, this offense, you know, I think and then especially you have to look at the talent you have, obviously, Mark Andrews, who is uh, proven to be a very, very good tight end that gets a lot of target share in that offense. They brought in um, Sammy Watkins at wide receiver, um, you know, J.K. Dobbins. They, you know, have some other guys, but like is can and obviously Hollywood Brown, you mentioned, is there enough like pass attempts to go around that could actually facilitate, you know, multiple uh, pass catchers? 
in fantasy world. And I'm not I, sure that's the case. Yeah, I, I think the big question becomes is how much faith you put into a Lamar Jackson to be able to get that kind of volume into many different hands. I mean, it's not like where you have this you know, the the Kansas City offense, the Buffalo offense, or the Green Bay offense that's has all the couple different weapons coming out of a major guy that has weapons and arms out of the backfield. I just I don't know if I buy the Lamar Jackson piece to give them that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's a, definitely an uphill battle. I mean, yep. last year, Lamar Jackson passed for 2,700 yards. I mean, you just break that down. Even <laughs> like, let's just let's just say for fun, you know, Mark Andrews gets 700 yards. Hollywood Browns gets 600 yards. Like that's already halfway to that's like yep. 1,400 yards that are left. You have J.K. Dobbins. You have Sammy Watkins. Like before you know it, like there's like 500 yards that it's available. Now, mm-hmm. Bateman's a bigger guy. Maybe he can be involved in like the the red zone and be like, uh, you know, thrive in that environment. But the cards are definitely stacked against him just because of the landing spot. But I mean, the upside's there. And mm-hmm. for the second pick or for the first pick in the second round, I think this was a great pick just because of the talent. And at a certain point, you have to bet on the guy figuring it out. And yep. I don't fault Kevin at all for taking this guy. I think he's not the at best all. Player I, yeah, I think at this point, I completely agreed. Bateman was the best player on the board. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's move on to the next pick. And Sam is on the clock again with uh, what is this? His one, <laughs> yeah, two, you got to count them. That's how many it was. Three, four. His fifth pick. Five out of it looks like he had six picks in this first or these first two rounds. So his fifth pick, and he took Trey Sermon, running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Dan, what are your thoughts? God, and this is another one of those ones where I like the player. I hate the landing spot with it. I mean, Trey Sermon's a very talented back. A lot of things there, but I mean, Kyle Shanahan uses shit in any kind of different ways with it. Obviously, Raheem Mostert's there. I I don't think Trey Sermon beats out Raheem Mostert for the starting position. He definitely beats out Jeff Wilson. I think he definitely beats out Wayne Gallman. He's miles ahead of Jamichael Casty. I just, I, I don't know. This is one of those, again, another shitty spot for a really talented guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's really talented, but I also like the landing spot. I think when you look at the Niners, they are a team that doesn't have a lot of draft capital after trading all those picks to move up to three. And the fact that they traded some picks to actually move up and select Trey Sermon shows me that this team is presumably very high on him. Um, you know, Mostert, I have him. I think he's a good player, but he's always injured. Um, Trey Sermon will get, I think, plenty of opportunities to run. And, you know, in a Kyle Shanahan offense, whoever is running the ball, doesn't matter who it is. If you walked out of the bed this morning and you got in, you know, to this backfield, you're going to produce. And I think Trey Sermon has a lot of upside. Um, and, you know, in this offense, I think I think the, the sky could be the limit. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't know if this was the best player on the board, but I think from an upside play, I don't know if there was anyone else close to Trey Sermon on the board here. I, especially for running back need, yes. I, yeah. Running back-wise, I think this is the best guy here. I'm, I'm high on Michael Carter personally mm-hmm. with it just because of the opportunity that he has with him potentially being the star in that one. But I, San Francisco's the run first team and yeah. Trey Sermon being a running back is going to get his opportunity. You would have to think so. I mean, you, you trade up for a player unless like they're an outright bust and you trade up in a day two pick, you got to have a plan for him. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll see if that plays out, but 
for Sam, I think this says, you know, there's not a lot of running back talent in this draft, just how it works out. There was obviously a big three, but I think Trey Sermon has the talent. And I think I'm a little bit more optimistic about those sliding spots. So I think okay. this, this was a solid pick, I think, for Sam. Beautiful. 2.3. And we're going to Steve Applehans coming on with his first pick in the first two rounds. And he took Rondale Moore, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of mouse to feed in this offense. A lot of mouse. And obviously it starts with, uh, I mean, what some he views himself as wide receiver one. He came in at wide receiver number four in PPR and DeAndre Hopkins. And anytime you're competing with a guy that has this kind of volume share, you got to kind of get real nervous about taking another off another player in this offense. Obviously, Christian Kirk's there. Keyshawn Johnson's there. You had Rondell Moore. They really don't have a tight end. Their running back piece is a little questionable with Chase Edmonds and James Conner. I think he's got an opportunity, though. Um, I mean, he's a he's five nine hundred eighty pounds with it not nearly as big as what you know Keyshawn is. A uh, little bit smaller than Christian Kirk. I, it's it's an air raid offense. I guess is is the piece. And anytime you have, say the word air raid and you have a wide receiver, you can't be totally upset with my guy not getting an opportunity to catch the ball. Yeah. I mean, they also brought in A.J. Green, which I don't think you mentioned. Oh, nope, I did um, not. But A.J. Green was kind of looking like a zombie last year, so I don't know if that really matters. I don't know. I think there is an opportunity because outside of DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not sure if there's like a clear number two guy on this team. A.J. Green they brought in. Christian Kirk has kind of perpetually been, you know, will he break out? Will he? Will he? Nah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but Rondale Moore, I mean, he is an extremely talented player. I mean, if you're bored, go look his freshman highlights against Ohio State when he single-handedly just destroyed that defense and, you know, really tore them a new one. Because that was like one of the best games that you could find from a college wide receiver. Unfortunately, the biggest concern with him has been injuries. You know, the last two years of college, he just has not played as many games and just hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's a smaller guy, so you wonder how that's going to translate. But I think just from a fit and an offense, I think there's a lot of opportunity and Rondale Moore could definitely break out. Uh, for Steve, I think, you know, I think there's a different guy on the board that I would have gone with. But Rondale Moore, I think, is it, it's hard to say he's a bad pick just because of the upside that he presents as a player and also just for this offense. Yep. All right. We're going to Chris at 2.4 and Mr. Kadarius Tony, wide receiver for the New York Giants. Yeah. I, this is a make or break year for Daniel Jones. And the Big question time. becomes is when you when you take Kadarius Tony in this offense, do you put the faith that Daniel Jones with the fact that he has all these additional weapons, they bring in Kenny Galladay, they still have Darius Slayton. You obviously still have Evan Ingram. You sign John Ross in the, in, in the off season. Yep. And now you draft a young stud that comes out of Florida with it. Mm-hmm. I, you've got to figure that this is, this all hinges on how much faith you have in Daniel Jones, being able to get the ball around to all the different weapons. Obviously, you know, Saquon Barkley's coming back off of injury. Mm-hmm. Devontae Booker comes there in the off season. Um, the dead man in recall Armstead is, is, is joining the squad. I, fuck, I, that was a fucking worst draft pick I might've ever made. Um, there's so many weapons in this offense that all hinge on Daniel Jones. My question for you is just, do you buy the Daniel Jones succeeding to make Kadarius Tooney a worthwhile draft pick? Um, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Like I think I, I'm not a big believer in Daniel Jones, but I think, you know, similar to Bateman, you have to bet on the talent yep. and it might not look like a great situation, 
But at the end of the day, Tony was drafted in the first round. Like, he went ahead of Rashad Bateman. He was the fourth wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. Uh, There were rumors that the Packers, the Jaguars, a few other teams were, like, pissed that the Giants took him. So he was a very desirable player in this class. Um, For Chris, it's an interesting grab. But I think from just, you look at, like, the upside, you know, who was on the board. You know, I wouldn't have taken him. But I don't think I could sit here and say, well, you should pass on a first-round draft pick right here in the middle of the second round at this point um i don't know if he can succeed in new york but like you gotta at the end of the day i think trust the nfl at a certain point and at 2.4 i think that's fine you know trusting the giants i don't know if it'll work out but you know most of these second round picks are gonna bust i'd rather roll the dice on a first round pick than someone that was drafted on the second third or even the fourth round I, I, the logic makes a whole bunch of sense. And I mean, so obviously looking at the fact that where we said, hey, you know, looking at 2.3, Rondell Moore wouldn't have been the guy you were going through. Was Kadarius Tooney the guy you would have picked there or no? Nope. He is okay. coming up in a few picks. Okay. So that's, let's move on to 2.5 then. And we're going to go to Jerry. And this is, what are we at for Jerry's pick? He has one, two, uh, three, four. This is his fifth pick and final pick um, in the first two rounds. And Jerry went with, Amon Ra St. Brown, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. I look at this as this is a guy that, from the guys that have been picked so far, this is a guy that has the ability to potentially make the biggest impact right here and right now with what the opportunities are. Brashad Perriman, Quintez Cephas, Victor Bolden, Terrell Ooh. Williams. Yeah, correct. The Terrell Williams. Yeah, we're going to start getting this shit where nobody's heard of fucking anybody here. This is like a key and peel sketch. I don't even know these guys. <laughs> they, do a- they play? A.A. A- Ron Rodgers? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a guy that has an opportunity to step in right away with a brand new connection with Jared Goff and really make a connection and have impact to it. I I I mean, I kind of like the pick with it. I still think there were I think you and I are on the same page where we're still not at the best player that's there. This is a guy that has the best opportunity to make an immediate impact into his situation. So I 100% agree with that. I think it is wide open. It is there for him to succeed. But I don't love this pick for a few reasons. He was taken in the fourth round of the NFL draft. Yep. You know, that means th- for three rounds and for some teams, four rounds, like pass on him for a reason. Um wide receivers aren't necessarily like running backs in the sense that just because there's availability for them to play doesn't mean that they're going to produce. Um, like mm-hmm. someone needs to get them ball. Like the offense still needs to be successful. Um, and with that, I just think it was a little bit too early for him. He should have probably gone in the second round, but I, to be honest, I think I would have taken all the running or all the wide receivers that went in the second round over him. Um, I to. I would rather, especially for Jer's team, bet on the talent. You don't need immediate production. So why are you chasing someone that might not have a long-term career? You know, he's a fourth-round draft pick. I mean, draft capital does matter to a degree. And if you don't produce, you're going to get replaced by, like, someone that they draft in the first or second round next year. So I just, I don't love this pick. Um, He definitely could succeed. You know, he has the opportunity to. But he went in the fourth round, so cards are just stacked against him a bit. Yeah, I, yep, I, I, I guess I, it's, it's hard to argue. I mean, the other piece that you look at is the defensive backs in the NFC North are pretty spectacular Yeah, with it. And it's a, it's a tough matchup either way. And Jared Goff is throwing you the ball. I mean, you're getting a younger quarterback if you're Detroit, but 
I don't think you get as much talent as you got rid of with Matthew Stafford. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of production comes out of this offense. I I think it all hinges on Deandre Swift and him being productive to the point where he can run the ball with Jamal Williams, because that'll help aid him in success. But it's an interesting offense. And I don't think anybody really knows what to expect other than shit from the Detroit offense. Yeah, they are definitely an intriguing one to watch because Goff, you know, we've seen him be successful, but can he be successful outside of McVay's offense? I'm not sure. Um, You know, they have TJ Hackinson, DeAndre Swift. You know, they have a good offensive line. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if this offense was sneaky okay, but I also wouldn't be shocked if this offense just sucks ass. Which is the big piece to it, so. All right, let's move on to 2.6. And this is the player that, I think I would have taken actually a two dot two. Um, mm-hmm. Elijah Moore, wide receiver for the New York Jets. Um, I just I think he went in the early second round. I think he's got an opportunity to really blossom with Zach Wilson for the New York Jets. Um, extremely talented. He can play all over the field. I just think he's got an opportunity to be a very special player. Um, and he was taken, I think, what with like the second pick in the second round. So very highly desirable player. I think. For Sam, Sam had a lot of players fall to him and just get really good value, in my opinion. It might be hard to argue that this there was a, any other better options in terms of value than this Elijah Moore pick for him. It's hard to argue against that. It's He gets an opportunity to go in and make an impact. Obviously, they bring in Corey Davis this year. Jamison Crowder's still there. To, Denzel Mims comes in, and or he played with them last year. Sorry, that's so fucking great. Like... That he was injured actually, and banged up most yep. of the year. So he has an opportunity to compete. And I think that's the piece that really matters. Keelan Cole joins the team this year. Um, but outside of that, I mean, there's a Braxton Berrios is probably the next name on the entire depth chart that I recognize. <laughs> With it, uh, no, I sorry, Josh Doxon's there. But like, fuck, I mean, figure it out right there. Right, this right. is a guy that's super talented out of Ole Miss. I mean, he arguably could have been a first-round draft pick in the entire yeah. NFL draft, which is the kind of talent we're talking about that's coming off of this. Um, I, I like it. A lot of it hinges on how much faith you have in Zach Wilson to be able to distribute the ball. Yeah, no, for sure. But for Sam, I think, you know, this two picks, you know, in the second round, you know, can kind of roll the dice. And I think Elijah Moore just is in a position where he could succeed. Um, and he has a really good opportunity and will have a lot of opportunities because he's a high draft pick to do that. So mm-hmm. um, I, I like this one. Yep. Well, let's stay with the Jets then. Yeah, let's stay with the Jets. Go to 2.7. And Armand is on the board again. This is his second pick of the first two rounds. And he took Michael Carter running back for the New York Jets. Dan, you mentioned him earlier. How do you feel about this pick? I like him. So I like I like him as a running back with it. Mm-hmm. I like I like his situation. They bring in Tevin Coleman. LaMichael P. Ryan wasn't all that great at the end of last year. I think this is a running back that can, can compete for the starting job. Um, do I think he beats out LaMichael P. Ryan? Absolutely. Do I think he beats out Tevin Coleman? That's, I think, where we look at does you know, experience beat out the fact that that's there. The big hit against Lam- or Michael Carter is the fact that he's tiny. Yep. With he's he's undersized. He played defensive back and then made the transition into running back. A lot of people are nervous that he's going to take one hit from a oversized linebacker and he's going to get you know sent into the fucking shadow realm <laughs> with it. But I, he's explosive and I think that's the big piece with it. He is very very fast. The question becomes is can he hit holes and can he take the hits? Um, upside wise, potential to start with it. I think Tevin Coleman still beats him out. I think Michael Pirine is gone. 
but I, I like the Michael Carter pick. I do. Yeah, I mean, Tevin Coleman's another one of those guys always injured. Like, if you can't beat out Tevin Coleman, you suck. Like, you're you're just not good. <laughs> so, I mean, for for this pick for Armand, I mean, I don't love the player, but I think it's hard to argue against selecting him here just because of, like you said, the opportunity, the position, you know, at running back. It's not a great running back class. Um, I think this is a solid player. I mean, for Armand, you know, you have a lot of holes. So you could have really gone a number of directions and I get wanting to get a running back because they just have the potential to really, you know, really change your team. And if Michael Carter is that guy for the New York Jets, I mean, this is going to be a huge get for his team. So, you know, hope it works out for him. Yep. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. If it pays off, you look like a fucking genius at 2.6 being able to land this guy or 2.7. I'm sorry. If it doesn't fucking sweet draft pick at 2.7, dude. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's two dot seven. Like these guys, you're not gonna, you're not drafting like superstars. Yep. You're not drafting Trevor Lawrence, you know, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Justin Fields. Like you're scrape, you're starting to scrape at the bottom of the barrel. Um, this class was not nearly as deep as we saw last year's class. So, I mean, Michael Carter, you know, you swing for upside, you swing for opportunity, and Michael Carter definitely has that. You're in the second half of the second round, so I, yep. I think this is a a good pick for him. It's, it's right back to the intro song. All the things I know know right now, if I'd only known back then. I mean, <laughs> I, let's let's see how it plays out. This literally could be what it turns out to be. You're yeah, either a sure. big boom or you you're a big bust. Absolutely. Let's move on to two dot eight. And Nick acquired this pick and uh, an upcoming pick in the trade in the first round with Jerry, and he took Pat Freermuth, tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I this isn't this is another fun pick for me. I mean, Eric Ebron's obviously there. He's yep. twenty eight. He's got a lot of experience. Um, he's pulled in decent numbers and everything with it. Um, he had a really decent twenty twenty compared to the fact that you know there were injuries floating around and nobody in the Pittsburgh offense could catch a, pat, a ball. But I mean, he had ninety one targets, fifty six receptions. Uh, yeah, I I mean, it's an upside pick. I think this is a. This is a good pick in this situation for a tight end premium league mm-hmm. for somebody that has the opportunity, depending on injuries, which Ebron's had a couple injuries in his in his career. Um, this offense, we're not really sure what's going to happen with this. I mean, the only running back that they basically had that uh, is Anthony McFarland after they obviously drafted a running back with it. Yep. Deontay Johnson can't catch a fucking ball. Chase Claypool was arguably one of the best rookies we saw coming out of the out of the league last year they yeah. re-signed juju smith schuster the question hinges on big ben and is big ben going to be able to distribute the ball more effectively and more efficiently and is the offensive line going to be able to protect big ben to give him the ability to do this and i think i think Fairmouth is is he is he more known for his pass blocking than it is his pass catching or no he's kind of like a tj hawkinson he can do it all okay yeah, so I mean, I think for this for this pick for Nick, um, I like it, but it, I don't think you're going to get much production this year. Like, this is a long-term play. I think, you know, like you said, with Big Ben and also Eric Ebron being there, I think Freermuth is going to be asked to block a lot. And, you know, that's okay. You know, Titans take a little bit of time to develop, and Nick's is not aiming to, like, win it all this year. At least I don't think so. Um, you know, I think he's realistic, and he's thinking a little bit more, like, a year or two down the road. And I think at that point, you know, Freermuth is probably going to be the guy. Ebron, I believe his contract is ending after this year. Probably not going to be renewed. They're going to probably give him the keys to the offense. 
But like you said, the question will be, you know, Big Ben, you know, how long does he have? Who is the replacement? What does this offense look like? Freermuth in 2022, 2023, you know, could potentially be like the number two guy on a Pittsburgh team that historically passes the ball with Mike or under Tomlin, you know, with Big Ben. You know, how does that look with whoever the quarterback is in the future? Um, but a lot of opportunity, a lot of potential. He's a do-it-all tight end, so he's going to be on the field a lot. And that's, you know, that's really what you want. Like, if you don't have, like, the elite top-tier tight end, you want someone that's on the field and going to have the opportunity. And Freermuth definitely has the potential to stay on the field and just constantly be involved. And Pittsburgh uses their tight ends a lot, so I think that bodes well long-term. But this first year, I think it's going to suck. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's all I got. Yep. All right. Let's move on to 2.9. Uh, Stefan acquired this pick from Sam in the Alvin Kamara trade, and he took Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. I like it. I yeah. do. I do. It's an it's another body. It's another guy that can go in and catch the ball. They have two really good pass catchers already with it. Like I I like I, I like this kid's upside. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of like a poor man's Rashad Bateman, like very similar situation too. Um, it's not a great like location where he's at. I mean, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and you didn't even mention it, but Christian McCaffrey catches a lot of balls when he's a lot good. of balls. He's like, on my team. Yeah, he. <laughs> but like for Terrace Marshall, I think you know you're worried. Is he going to be buried on the Jeff chart? You know, when is he going to get an opportunity? This might be similar to Freemuth in the sense that it's a. Uh, it's a long-term play. It might take, you know, two, three years maybe for him to get his opportunity. Um, and, you know, is Sam Darnold going to be the guy? You know, what is this quarterback situation in this offense going to look like? Um, I like the talent too, but I think just the situation is suspect. And I wonder, you know, just how it's going to work out for him. Yep. All right. 2.10, we're going back to Nick. This is the second pick he acquired from Jerry in the uh, Jalen Waddell trade at 1.10. And he took Kenneth Gainwell, running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. Massive upside. I So here's, here's how I look at this. Obviously, he goes to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia does everything in the world to hate on Miles Sanders, and I don't know why. I, I just don't get it. I, I, I really don't. Like, Miles Sanders has proven to be a really decent running back with it. 217, 217.7 fantasy points in his first year coming out of coming out of college. Mm-hmm. 168 points last year, and he had a couple injury pieces that went with it. He played four less games and scored 60 less fantasy points. Well, that's pretty fucking good when you think about 60 divided by four is like relatively easy to, to accomplish here. Yep. Very, yep. very simple. Yeah. Thank you for doing the bare, very basic math for everybody else that's not drinking and doing this podcast. Um, <laughs> but they signed Carry on Johnson. They bring back Jordan Howard. I, mm-hmm. I think between on Johnson and Jordan Howard, one of them does not make the team. That's a safe bet, I think. I, I think so. Boston Scott obviously had a – he stepped in. He filled in when when Miles Sanders went down. I just – this whole fucking backfield situation is a clusterfuck. This might be fucking worse than the San Francisco backfield. Like, I'm going to put yeah. that out there right now. Like, like, go ahead. You can You can jump in here. But I like Kenneth Gainwell. Shit landing spot. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you didn't mention the number one, but the worst backfield spot is obviously the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. Um, So everyone's playing for number two, you know, to quote, you know, Michael or Larry Bird. Um, But Kenneth Gainwell, it's you're right. It's a shit landing spot. 
I don't even really know how he fits in because he's more of a pass catcher. And, you know, Miles Sanders kind of actually excels as a pass catcher. So, I mean, maybe they just really don't like Sanders. But this pick for Gainwell, I actually, I don't love it for Nick. I know it's a running back and you, you know, running backs are worth a lot because you need to have a good one. And Nick only has one right now. But, like, I I don't love this. I, I would have taken some wide receivers, you know, really one of the next two that we're going to talk about and even some other ones on the board. Um, this just awful landing spot. I, yeah, I, I don't love it. I don't feel great, which probably means I'm completely wrong. And this is the next like Gibson or something, but <laughs> yep. I, yeah, I, I don't feel great about this one. Yeah. I, I, I like the talent. I really like him as a running back. I like what he brings. I like what he did out of Memphis. It's a real shit spot. Yeah. It's not ideal. All right, 2.11. Right. 2.11, Armand's on with uh, his third pick in this uh, rookie draft, and he goes with Nico Collins, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. So here's the thing that Nico Collins brings to the Houston Texans that they don't have out of Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and Kiki Kuti, and that's size. Yep, 6'4", 222. He's a big fucking boy. With it, obviously, there's no Will Fuller anymore, so he's going to be a guy that's that has these intangibles that the other three wide receivers don't have. It's, nobody fucking knows what Deshaun Watson is going to be like if they're even going to play with Deshaun Watson. Is this going to yeah. be a Tyrod Taylor year? So if there's no Deshaun Watson, does this reduce his value? Love the size, love the opportunity he gets there. Don't necessarily really like the fact that this is this offense is exceptionally questionable. I have faith in Tyrod Taylor to be able to distribute the ball. He he did well in the the game that he started with San or Sandy or. L.A., sorry. Yep, the Chargers. Yep, fuck ass. Um, but, yes, I th- I like Collins here. I, I do like the pick. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I like Collins, too. I think he's kind of interesting just because of the offense Michigan runs. Didn't get a lot of opportunity to really shine uh, for that Harbaugh-led team. But, like you said, he just has the size. He has all the measurables you'd like. Um, didn't really show that on the field, but didn't really get the opportunity to show that on the field. So you're kind of rolling the dice here. But... You're right. The Texans just don't have a guy like him. They haven't had him since they traded, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Nico, you know, we'll see what happens with, you know, Deshaun Watson. But even if Deshaun Watson isn't a factor this year, doesn't even play, chances are the Texans are going to be having a very high draft pick. And you're not going to give a shit about two Rod Taylor or Davis Mills, uh, you know, who they took in the third round this year. They're going to be adding, you know, Spencer Rattler, you know, Sam Hall or some other like quarterback that comes out of nowhere. And then, you know, you're going to have a young quarterback paired with a second-year wide receiver, and you're going to feel pretty good. Um, I don't have high expectations for Nico this year, but I think he's got just potential. And, you know, at the end of the second round, you could do a lot worse than roll, roll the dice on an upside wide receiver um, that goes to a team with just not a lot of competition. He's taken in the second round, so he's got good direct, or was it the third round? But Either way, he was a day two pick. So I think uh, this I think this is a good pick for Armand. This was, yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was a no-brainer. Michael Carter, I didn't love. Nico Collins, I think, was a great pick. I agree. All right. We're going to the defending champ. Uh, this was his first pick in the first two rounds. Uh, and Zane goes with Amar- or A. Rogers for the wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers. Not to be confused with Aaron. Yes, correct. Yes, you got that confused. right. Amari Rogers, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. How are you feeling about this one, Dan? I, I, I mean, I, we, God, fuck this whole saga. I could just fucking shred a couple people on this podcast for being fucking diehard Packers fans, but I'm not. I'm not gonna take the high road. 
I'm not going to do it. Don't play with fire. Rodgers will throw like six touchdown passes. Devontae Adams was the number one wide receiver in the entire league last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. MVS was 56. St. Brown was 150. Anything you do to get this man fucking weapons is fucking great. And Amari Rogers is a great piece into this. I think he I think he plays his number two spot in this in this entire thing. I really think he does with it. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's, it's wide it's, open after Adams. Yeah, it's yep, this is completely wide open. And I mean obviously I mean, we Tanyan, have the, I think has had a nice breakout year and yep. he's I think gonna be involved, but you're right. At wide receiver, it's a whole lot of crap behind Mr. Devontae Adams. Yep. And I I, I, I mean, Adams is going to get his fair sh- his lion's share of the entire thing. Absolutely. MVS had issues with dropping wide open balls, but catching the balls that nobody should be expected to catch. <laughs> yep. Um, like when I'm St. Brown, obviously I have the Notre Dame piece to it, so I'm going to be I, partially biased. To some of these things. Right. Thank you. I, you know, a couple drinks into the night and life's pretty good. Um, it, it's just, I mean, Devin Funches, I don't have a whole lot of thing with Alan Lazard. Obviously, you know, Rogers voiced his piece and the Packers told him where you could fucking shove it. Yeah. Um, I just I I think this all hinge. Amari Rogers hinges on the fact that we can say Rogers to Rogers is the combination we really want to see. If it's yeah. love, if it's love to Rogers, I don't know if I'm ex- excited with it, especially mm-hmm. being a Devonte Adams owner that everything should be Rogers to Adams, not love to Adams. Um. Yeah, I, I like the player. Again, like the player, like the landing spot. Very questionable yes. future. Yeah, I mean, I, I for the or let's let's finish up this, then we'll pivot to something else. Mm-hmm. But I think for Zane, home run of a pick. Yeah, I mean, oh great you're, pick. You're not you're not going to get like a superstar, but like like you said, it's he's set up to win with a great organization that at least historically has always had a great quarterback, and they still presently do. Um, you know wide open behind Devontae Adams. I mean, I don't think Amari Rogers is going to be a world beater, but I think he could, you know, year one be like a solid flex, op- flex option with upside. So I think for, for Zane, this, I think this was a very good pick. Um, and, you know, it sucks that the Packers got him. I wish he would have went somewhere else. So my question for you is, is obviously we saw, what did we see here? One, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, seven wide receivers went before Amari Rogers. Mm-hmm. How many of you? How many of those do you think were correct? Um, honestly, all but St. Brown. I think. I mean, I like Amari Rogers. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I would have taken only safe, or I would have taken him over just St. Brown. Um, I okay. think everyone else. You know, I, if you wanted to take him over Nico, that's fine. But I probably wouldn't. I would roll the dice on just the, you know, betting on the big guy that could you know, potentially break the game, you know, be Chase Claypool-esque for the Houston Texans. But, um, yeah, what about for you? For you? I I like him a better – I like him ahead of Nico Collins. Okay. I think is, is the one guy that I like him ahead of. I Again, okay. I, I think St. Brown's opportunity is a little bit better in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's that's the only difference that I would have had here. Yeah. I mean, I also would have taken probably Rodgers ahead of like Gainwell, for example. Yep. Um, but really outside of St. Brown and Gainwell, I don't think there was anything like super jarring, like yep. in terms of players falling. And St. Brown, I think, should have gone in the second round. I just think it was a little bit too early for me. More excited that the first round turned out that it did or the second round kind of had that that spunk that it did. I guess I'll use spunk as the best word. I mean, got to go with the first round. There yep. was a lot of like, uh, you know, it's 
you know, smoke bombs, you know, a lot of surprises. Um, we saw some interesting trades. I mean, the first round really had it all. We saw just, you know, Jared kicked it off with and kind of kept it going the entire first round and even into the second with some surprise picks. Um, and then, you know, just the trades. And I don't think there was surprise with the 12 players that went in the first round, but the order and some of the trades that we saw to get there, I think, was the surprise. I, I mean, the first two rounds, you can't be a... I mean, when you talked about this coming in, mm-hmm. you were you were saying, like, you don't know what to expect. This could be completely opposite to what you think. It could be right in line with what you think. So first two rounds, obviously, because our third round is a little bit more valuable. Mm-hmm. Where would you rate this compared to either last year's draft or the year before? Uh, it, it's hard to say without looking at it. But like like I said, the first round, like these were the 12 guys that I would take in the first round. The ordering would be a little bit different with some of them, but like these 12 guys would go. Um, when we look to the second round, I think really only Gainwell is the one that I wouldn't have taken in the second round. Everyone else I think should have gone in the second round. So, I mean, at least for me, I think this was, you know, I think people did their homework. I think people, you know, studied hard and, you know, I think they did well with these picks. And I think, you know, a lot of guys improved. And, you know, when we look at, you know, when we shipped over to, winners losers disappointments i mean we'll start with the two biggest disappointment disappointing teams and that's going to be myself and adam because we did not make a trade (laughs) we did not have a draft pick you know everyone else got better you know that's this is kind of the downside like when you trade your your draft picks you know everyone else doesn't like immediately approve when you make those trades but when the rookie draft comes around you don't have the opportunity to approve your team so for adam and i you know we are we watched everyone else improve and we did nothing so that's not ideal Yep. I th- so I, so I'll follow up on this. this is one of my last couple pieces here. Yeah. So so Sam did reach out and said, okay. "Hey man, middle of the pod right now. Here's where I was at. Depending on which quarterback goes at two. So if Jerry would have taken a quarterback at two, he was potentially considering Pitts if his guy wasn't there. So okay. this is one of those ones where it's it, it would have been hard for him. And obviously, I mean, we're not knowing with some of those pieces that say, Hey, this is the guy that would have been there. This is the guy that would have gone. Yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of at least thought from Sam's perspective that if his guy's not there at two with Jerry taking the QB at two, that he would have gone pits at three. So yeah. I, again, it's one of those ones where I appreciate Sam being honest with it. I'm not going to share his draft board or anything like that that he shared with me. This is my, you know, impartial bias into the, into this with part of this. I mean, obviously I get a little insight, but I don't use this. I'm not going to give it the rest of you guys because fuck you all. Um, but this is, it, it's interesting to think with some of this, how it played out in the first round with, I mean, him having Kyle Pitts a little bit higher on the draft board with it. I also think it's fun to see that, you know, going through the Twitter verse that they gave Trevor or the Jaguars gave Trevor Lawrence a, um, 8.0 rating with it, but they also gave the fact that Jalen Waddle got an 8.0 rating as the best wide receiver on the board yeah. a little interest. So I it's it's fun to see some things come full perspective after the draft and seeing a couple different pieces that we probably shouldn't see. Yeah. But I mean, this is the greatest shit in the world. Like 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 when we draft this this is fun shit. Yeah, this is you know, this is after the startup, this is the easiest way to improve your team. Uh, you know, getting these new players into the NFL, and, you know, we'll see how they work out. Um, as we wind down, you know, is there a team, you know, you sit and you maybe really like what they did? And on the flip side, is there a team maybe you really don't like what they did? I mean, obviously, I'm, I mean, you talked about it. You and you, you not moving in, and, and it's just, it, there's a couple pieces that, that I don't, I'm partial. I, 
I like Jerry's movements. I know you and I differ on part of this yeah. stuff. I, I like his acquire acquirements. He gets he gets Pitts. He gets Wilson. He gets ETN. He trades up to get Waddle with it. I, I like some of those pieces. I really like Sam's draft. I think Sam did a really nice job. He obviously gets Justin Fields. He gets Trey Lance to cover his quarterback positions with it. Um, we get a small trade out of that, but he gets Defonta Smith. You know, Jamal Williams or not Jamal Williams. Javante. Uh, yeah, thank you. God, fuck yeah. yes. Um, I like both of those with it. Um, I mean, I can be biased the fact that I sat put and I, you know, Bill Belichick this shit to get Mac Jones with a retiring Drew Brees. I'll take my wins on that. <laughs> but what I'm really excited is the fact that we're moving to the third round. Obviously, we're going to see one week of preseason play. And yep. then Armand's going to be in the clock. And obviously, we don't get two less games with part of this. You've got 24 hours to make your decision. But, you know, Armand's going to start us at 3.1. You're going to go at 3.2. Jerry's going at 3.3. Like, these yeah. are going to be the first couple pieces that really play out to see how this back half is going to go. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's still some talent on the board. A lot of talent on the board. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I think for me, just looking at teams, I think, you know, Sam, I do like. I think he got a lot of value. Yep. Um, I also like Nick Bruce's approach, um, you know, trading back, you know, with that Jalen Waddle trade, um, you know, getting that first next year, um, getting the two seconds this year. I think Nick did very well with just, you know, only having one draft pick. I think he um, I think he will be happy this time next year with the trade that he did for Jerry. I mean, we're just you know going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> I think I think Jerry zagged when everyone else zagged, but he did that for like every single one of his picks. Um, except for maybe Travis Etienne. Um, and hey, I'm I'm not smart enough or even gonna say that I'm right. I'm just gonna say that Jerry went against the grain with those picks. And you know, if he is right, first of all, Jerry, buy a lotto ticket because this is you know, you went against the grain. So I mean, if you're right, you know something that I don't and that everyone else really doesn't know. So you need to like roll with your, you know, lucky horseshoe and just let it ride because you're going to be either sitting very pretty or maybe not so pretty, but I respect, you know, I will always respect someone for getting their guys. So I, I, I don't fault you for that, but I just, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of some. Hey man, me and the old man are going down and playing a golf outing this week or this week in uh, Alabama. We'll uh-huh. take all luck. We'll take all luck. We can get to bring home a W. So <laughs> very good. Uh, this is kind of off the cuff. Oh, okay. sorry. Let's, let's stop the music. Stop the music. Sorry. Shut it down. Shut, Shut it shit. down. Yep. We I, didn't even I, really talk about it, but it, it came up with when we talked about Zane's pick. Aaron Rodgers. Real quick. Yeah. Do you oh. think he plays for the Packers? Do you think he's traded? How do you think the saga plays out? Can I watch the Kenny Main broadcast with him? No. Nope. No, no, fuck, nope. man. Uh, uh, this is rough. I'm going to say no. I think he's... They've burned too many bridges. I think he's, I mean, the fact that he was going through and making fucking references to the Bulls GM in, in when talking to other guys and, mm-hmm. and doing all this, I, I can't imagine that he's in a good spot with the team. I think this has the fact that he broke up with Danica, Danica Patrick and went to somebody less hot. Um, just, I don't, I don't see it happening. I just, sorry, all you Packer fans out there. I just, I don't see it, and that makes me very concerning. I think he's not traded because I don't think they can get the value that it is. Oh, the only the, the only team that would be willing to pay that value is Denver, and that would have to mean that or um, Teddy Two Gloves is coming back with it. I think they got to get a wide receiver piece with it. I just I don't see it happening. So, do you think does Rogers then retire? Does he just sit out and not play? 
Like, he what retires. Is this he retires. That's. I think that's where my gut tells me it's going to go. Um. So, so I don't know then, if you know this, but no quarterback that's been one of the best ones that Green Bay's have has ever played 17 years with the Packers. Rodgers just finished his 16th year. Favre didn't make it 17 years. Neither did Bart Starr. Interesting. Well, yep. history repeat itself. I, and that I, becomes a big question. I mean, I'll value your opinion here. And I just, you know, sometimes you just look at something and you're like, there's no fucking way they're going to fuck this up. And that's where I'm kind of at with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Like, I get it. The drama. He's upset. You know, he wants to be more involved. Blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, I think money's going to talk. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get some extra money. I think he's going to show up. He's going to feed, you know, Devontae Adams. He's going to maybe be happy with Amari Rodgers, you know, Aaron Jones, you know, and life's going to go on. I just think there's too much money at stake and Rodgers is too, I don't know. I just, I just can't see him walking away from football like that. And I also can't see the Packers trading him. So that means he has to come back. So that's that's where I'm going with it. So you think an extension is down the line that an when extension the- or an adjustment or like maybe some agreement, like similar to what we saw with Tom Brady okay. in the sense that maybe you re up for like two years and then we promise we won't franchise tag you something like that. But I think Rogers one way or the other, he's going to be playing for the Green Bay Packers come September. I mean, I, I hear so many discrepancy reports that say, hey, the or he reached out to the organization saying, "Hey, we're going to do this." They never responded. By the time they responded, he was already pissed off with the fact that they weren't willing to renegotiate with him. Um, like, I mean, there's just so many different things that we hear with this, and the fact that you know um, Adam Schefter was pulling this shit out of fucking thin air on draft yeah. day. With yeah. it, I mean, I mean, what do you fucking believe nowadays? Like, you've got to like, I Kenny Maine, bring it home, Kenny Maine. I want him to go to Barstool too. I was like, just going to say, I'm waiting oh, for all Barstool for that. I want to see, you know, our, our the punter hero come out of nowhere from the top rope with the interview of the century and, you know, just shut this down. Because he's very vocal that, you know, this was not from Aaron's camp. You know, this is kind of BS. And I think, you know, that obviously there's maybe an issue, but I don't think that this is maybe as bad as it's been playing up or played out to be. I I would be very interested, and in, obviously, I think Kenny Mayne and Aaron Rodgers have some history prior to this. Okay. So I think this will be the fact that Aaron Rodgers is coming out as Kenny Mayne's last portion to his career with ESPN. I I love Kenny Mayne. I don't know where your opinions on Kenny Mayne are, but I love oh, he's Kenny Mayne. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm a big barstool guy. I want to see him go to barstool. I want to see Paul Pierce go to barstool. Um, just because. Fucking, I love Barstool in every way, shape, and form because they they're completely against the norm. Um, um, when you said Barstool, I don't know why I thought you meant Pat McAfee. I no, McAfee does his own shit. He used to be yeah, Barstool no, though. No, I know. Um, but yeah, I, I want him to go to McAfee. I want to hear like the, the tell-all interview with him. I think yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it, it's it's great. If you've never listened to it, go back and listen to his week. Pat McAfee, sure. AJ Hawk, Aaron yep. Rodgers. They're fantastic. It's one of the best entertainment there. Aaron Rodgers as a personality is amazing. As a football player playing against the Chicago Bears, he can go fuck himself. But yes, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a personality is amazing. All right. Well, do I, do I start the music now? Let's start it up. All right. Well, it was, you know, exciting two rounds of rookie draft. We saw a lot of action. A lot of teams got better. Adam and I twiddled our thumbs. So at least you're not us.
Hey, sometimes you got to sit and spin. Sometimes you make some moves. But, you know, kudos to Stefan. Kudos to Nick for making some of the moves with it. Mm-hmm. Jerry made a couple moves. But, I mean, it all comes to do with, like, we started it. You know, do you regret what you're going to do coming into the second round? Or are you really excited with what you pulled out? We'll see what happens come August. Talk to you guys later.